0: it's not a question of can you make a good video game it's a it's a question of
1: when hey everyone welcome to the latest episode of the first word podcast my name is alex and i'm here with mike in chicago and our special guest today is filmmaker jordan vote roberts who is the director of the kings of summer and kong skull island as well as the documentary Nick Offerman American Ham, and he's also attached currently to direct the Metal Gear Solid movie. Um, and we're very happy to have him on for a exciting discussion today, hopefully about video game movies. So thank you for coming on, Jordan.
0: Thank you for having me. I like how you had to preface uh, the hopefully about yeah. whether this would be exciting or not.
1: <laughs> well, because well, I mean, this, then, then let's just get right into it because video let's game get movies a so,
0: possibly boring conversation about. <laughs>
1: No, no, no. I just mean the video game movies are an interesting topic because I, I hate to be so negative right off the bat. They still haven't made a great, great video
2: game movie. Or is that something we can discuss? Because Well, it's there. It's out there like... now. It's out there. So you're well, going to have for, to just for... go ahead and tell, tell us why that's never happened. No, because for every single year, there's a new video game movie. And every single year, we always get our hopes up being like, hey,
1: this is going to be the one. It was like Warcraft last year. We had Tomb Raider this year, which is our discussion on this podcast. But they still... Especially in the last few weeks before the movie comes out, everyone starts to be like, well, this doesn't look as good as it should have been. And I don't get it. And that's what I want to get into on this podcast. Hopefully, that's what I mean exciting, and hopefully the discussion is
0: exciting. Because I,
1: uh, I really want to, to to get into it.
0: Well, I have I have a lot of thoughts on it, which may or may not be exciting. They might be boring <laughs> thoughts, but I do okay. have a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's like a multi-pronged issue. I yeah. think, one... I think that a lot of these games fundamental uh, these movies fundamentally don't understand like the real difference between the active experience of playing a game and and the disconnect between the passive experience of watching a movie and not just how you like translate plot mechanics and character ideas and set pieces but how you actually sort of like transplant the feeling of what you experience as you play the game like tomb raider actually does a really good job at like kind of faithfully presenting the visuals of how those action sequences unfold almost in a slavish way however i don't think that movie succeeds at making you feel the tension or the like the uh adrenaline or the exhilaration or the the sort of fear that when you actually play those games and you're playing that sequence, you feel It's very mm-hmm. slavish. it's a it's a great recreation of them, but somehow, I think it misses the emotion that you as a as a player feel when you're in the midst of the active experience of playing the game and and so part of it to me is this like fundamental question of like active versus passive and and how you translate like, what these things make you feel as a player because it's, it's a different experience than translating a comic or translating a book because it's not just about material it's also about um, experience
2: one thing that's kind of interesting about the whole video game genre is is that it's still trying to figure out what it's supposed to be everybody experiences video games in an extremely different subjective way even though the video games are somewhat designed to be experienced the same way, it's sometimes to a fault where you actually have to go through the same exact process as everybody else. But Tomb Raider, if, as an example, is such an interesting one to me because the gaming experience of it, and I haven't played the most recent renditions, but I certainly grew up on on the the original versions of them. What I remember most is the puzzle, the sort of problem-solving puzzle element the shooting was fun and whatever, but I remember those pieces like in the movie when she had to turn the knobs to open the door, which in the movie failed, in my opinion, to to kind of capture what made Tomb Raider great to me, which well, is right, the problem solving. That, but They show you
0: solve a couple puzzles in the film, but <laughs> yeah. as she's solving them, you, you just kind of see her solving puzzles. You don't really get the ingenuity of how she's doing it. Like when she's opening the door to the tomb, not the one with like the color codes, but the one before that, it it just, okay, it's a series of cranks that you see her do. I I actually, I I give that movie uh, a certain amount of props. I think that it does some stuff really well. I think there are some very good moments in it. And I, I like that filmmaker. But let's be honest for a second, like Tomb Raider happens to be a franchise that people know. Um, And obviously there were the two like Angelina movies, you know, from back in the day. But as a game, it's not a well-respected game. Like the the, the reboot that came out that sort of made it serious, like, okay, that had a little bit of credibility to it. But Tomb Raider was always kind of a franchise based around the fact that like you had a skimpy character with with (laughs) massive breasts, like (laughs) comically large. And the gameplay of the, those original games, like, no one no one holds those original games in high regard. Like, it was sort of groundbreaking for the time, yeah. but it's not it's not a game that people look back to that original, like, PlayStation 1 game and say, oh, you have to play it. There's even people who look back at a lot of the, like, Soul Reaver games and are like, oh, these are really interesting, like, they should bring these back. The original Tomb Raider just isn't really one of them. And so, look, I think part of it is that you need good source. Right, like mm-hmm. you, you need interesting source material, and Tomb Raider was always kind of like a franchise outside of having like a good game associated with it. But also, uh, I do think that there's an issue of um, when you're talking about the active and passive experience, how you translate what these things made you feel. There also is this question to me of the people making these films, and I love a lot of the directors who have made some of these films, but a lot of them are still, you know, I'm I'm 33, and so. I grew up as what I perceived to be the very first generation who was kind of introduced to games in my lifetime that also didn't have purchasing power. So when I was young, I wasn't able to buy games. I was reliant upon my parents or like really having to save money for months and months and months and months and months, and months in order to buy something myself. So, so games were introduced when I was like a true actual child. As opposed to like a teenager or something like that and so i think i'm part of the first generation of guys who are growing up now making movies in which games rewired our brain like game logic rewired our brain Mm -hmm. to me that's the same as like how a lot of guys who came into the comic book realm or comic book movies who ended up making good comic book movies uh, you know, Sam Raimi very famously like gave a shit about Spider Man. I, I think that that's also what it's going to take is like people who um, g- like truly grew up on these games as children, and I just don't think there's been a ton of examples of that right now.
2: Maybe we can each just sort of say what was that game growing up that we loved, and maybe what's the most recent game we thought was great. And if it's nothing, that's fine too. But it it will give people a <laughs> sense of like okay, what do these guys actually think is a good video game? Which is a very difficult question, and I'm not actually prepared to answer it.
0: Um, That's not a short answer for me. I am such <laughs> a through-and-through like, yeah. through nerd with this shit where, like, I grew up, I wasn't allowed to have a, an original Nintendo at first, so I, I only had an old Atari and a Game Boy. So I would have to go to my friends' houses to play an NES, and um, I was just I was obsessed with games. I just I thought they were so fundamentally interesting the Super Nintendo era I mean Contra 3 is like a really important game to me. You know, you talk about what a game makes you feel like. Super Metroid is this feeling of like loneliness and like isolationism on a foreign planet. It's actually like this very like quiet and like oddly kind of beautiful game. You know, A Link to the Past was a super important game to me. Like some of those early Final Fantasies were. But also at that point, I was getting into like early PC gaming. You know, like there were a bunch of DOS games I would play, but I was really into Alone in the Dark and. Uh, like, which was kind of the first survival horror game, which teed me up later for, like, Resident Evil. And at that point, I was like multi-pronged. I was getting really heavily into um, PC shooters, like uh, online games, like T- Star Siege Tribes and Jedi Knight, which was the sequel to Dark Forces. Uh, me and my friends were really into playing those online, well before like Counter Strike and and those things were like such a wave. You know, I don't think I'll ever have a year like. Um, I had when Ocarina of Time and Metal Gear Solid came out within a month of each other and those games blew my mind open They just completely like melted my brain and I really missed the like ingenuity of the PlayStation 1 and and N64 era there were so many kind of like odd games that came out then um, that were so kind of bizarre and and awesome and then like I loved the Dreamcast It was such a weird like the little white wonder was such a weird (laughs) system Also with a bunch of experimental, bizarre games. I really got into these, like, treasure games. It was a a Japanese developer that made this game, Radiant Silver Gun. They also made um, this, like, really intense, they call them, like, Twitch shooters. Not Twitch, like, the streaming service, but, like, they're just almost, like, ADD spastic. There's this game, Ikaruga. And they're just, like, known to be these, like, brutal intense games they're like top-down shooters like r type gradius type things um they had another game called bangayo for the dreamcast that i loved and then and then i got into like modding my systems i I, like i was such a dork i would like i learned how to solder and i learned how to like mod my dreamcast and mod my gamecube so i could play imports and honestly like i'm the type of guy who if i was smarter (laughs) i like here's the thing with me i have these like two great loves in life one of them is film and one of them is games. And I kind of chose film because I'm not smart enough to know how to code things. <laughs> so <laughs> so now, like if I, if I was growing up now, I don't know if I would have gotten into film as much because games are a much more accessible thing. But for me now, the things that I love most, like games like Journey for the PS3, I think is like a Shell Silverstein-esque like glorious experience. Uh, the game inside, like these, like these weird experimental indie games, are the things that I'm most interested in. Like I have a Switch, and I'm playing through Breath of the Wild. and Mario Odyssey is is amazing. I I really like these weird kind of like artsy games that um that take risks and like really push the boundaries of like what a game can be and what a game can make you feel and how you tell a story. Like that's the stuff that I'm most interested in right now. So that's not as simple as my favorite <laughs> game now. I mean, oh, no, that's yeah. a good intro, though. That's that just, that that's, covers everything. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit of like a short history of main games. I'm similar
1: to you, Jordan, because we're kind of the same ages. That I I started out like with an NES and um, uh, spent a lot of time playing that with my brother. And then also similar to you, the N64 was kind of like a pinnacle of you know breaking out, like Ocarina of Time. And even Mario 64, I loved Star Fox. I loved, I played them endlessly. And obviously, GoldenEye, which is, there's, I mean, there's a whole, like, genre of video games, which are the movies to video games. And, yeah. like, at that era, they were great. Cause I also remember, as you mentioned, too, PC gaming. I remember the Star Wars games, the DOS Star Wars games were awesome. Like, X Wing and TIE Fighter. Um, those were great <clears throat> for as, like, yeah, super, super call, terrible like... as they were. The other PC game that, uh, like, really left an impact on me for a lot of people, too, was Myst. And I know they've always been trying to make that into a movie, too. And I don't think it would ever work, but it was, like, such a cinematic game.
0: Myst was a very zeitgeisty thing where, you know, even people, like, you know, my parents who didn't really play games, like, they were
1: interested in Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, my parents bought it, I think. That's where it came from, yeah. The only other thing I'll say now, I haven't played as much recently, but the only other game I liked recently, and I know it's been mixed reviews on was No Man's Sky for uh, the PS4. Oh, yeah. And that was just because I've a- I've always been like a strategy gamer and a space nerd. And that kind of like combined the two. Like I was into um, land parties for a long time. And I was always the like Command and Conquer Starcraft kind of guy. I would right. like help run tournaments and work in that sort of realm more than the FPS realm. Um, and No Man's Sky was kind of like this ultimate like endless world space exploration sit and mind shit for a long time um and i also this also reminds me i played a lot of mmorpgs in the um the big one i played before world of warcraft was uh Asheron's call if you remember this oh, game yeah, yeah i remember um i was hardcore into that and um that kind of era of stuff which is just like i don't even i think it still exists there was also another one um i think it still exists to eve online which was another space yep. game where you just mine shit for days on day. And actually the only reason I stopped playing is that most MMORPGs, like if you didn't dedicate 12 hours of your day to doing like menial tasks to collect various things to build stuff, you wouldn't get along in the game. And I'm just like, I don't, I want to have another life outside of these games. Yeah, that, That's my history with games. It's, it's, it's I haven't played as much recently because it's a whole different era, but I still have the PS4, and I, I think I have an Xbox somewhere, but, yeah.
0: Well, the thing that, like, with even what you're just saying, though, what what interests me, and I think how this relates to game movies in some way, I think one of the reasons that, like, if we're from a very similar era, you know, when you're that young, I think one of the things that it does to you is, like, the language of games Kind of rewires your brain in subtle ways. And I, I think all art forms to some degree are these like languages that evolve over time. Like, I think part of the reason that people are disinterested with a lot of film these days is because subconsciously, even though people would never be able to vocalize this, I think subconsciously people's understanding of the language of film has evolved. Where I think the average person almost feels so disinterested in like Hollywood's reaction to how a three act structure should work and our reliance on traditional three act structures that people feel tropes and contrivances and things being set up well before they're even sort of like paid off. And so I think the, the like film has evolved on a collective level where people's like knowledge base of it has risen to a point where we as filmmakers now have to be evolving the filmmaking side of it. And I think that that's lagging and games are this weird thing where like, you know there's nothing logically that says oh if you push this box into a corner it unlocks a treasure chest or like all, all of these games have these very specific languages it's somehow if, if you start playing at a young age it it just it gets embedded into the way your brain works in a way where like you just know oh you should shoot that eye with an arrow you know it's like there's nothing <laughs> yeah. that, there's nothing logically that says oh there's a there's an eye that's carved into this wall on the other side of the room that you can't get to. I should shoot that with an arrow. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's, there's nothing in human language that makes sense as to why that thing, but in the Zelda world, like that's a thing. I think when that really takes over you, it's like this unique thing that is sort of like a a second language that you're very subconsciously kind of speaking and, and being pulled into.
2: Yeah. And I, it's funny that you say that because um, for me, some of that, sensation comes to me with video games like i have a much different uh, path of my life with with video games than i think especially both of you but my my friends and people i've gotten to know throughout my whole life like i'm very much a sports oriented game guy um i grew up playing baseball i played baseball a little professionally and like that that's been my life and i i relate so much to mlb the show and the ability to create a career and to have this sort of non-linear experience with a game. And when I think about games that I've come across, because friends of mine have said it's amazing, you have to play it, let's use Arkham Asylum, the mechanisms of the character are almost so small, so minimal, that I feel cheated. Like, I can only do this many types of punches and this many combos, and I already know how to do it. And, like, where Mortal Kombat was fun for me was I never mastered that game. So I was always just smashing buttons like a maniac. And I would do things. And then suddenly they would shoot an ice ball. And I'd be like, holy shit, I didn't even know they could do that. And it's actually, like, that was a fun experience for me because I never got so deep into the games that I actually knew everything that was possible. And sometimes now you see a a split, at least from my perspective, of some games that are built exclusively on the open game experience And some games that are built upon the sort of movie cutscene stylization. And, like, I I love the Batman games because of those stylizations, those those cutscenes. But then, like, I find myself extremely frustrated playing them as a, you know, quote-unquote gamer.
0: Well, I think that, like, any, like, most good games are things that are, like, easy to sort of pick up and play. Like, anyone can pick up Marvel versus Capcom, too. You can pick up a game like that, and if you were playing against someone who really knows those techniques, or like Smash Brothers was a game that very famously at first people wanted to, like, kind of shit on for feeling simplistic. But if you pick up Smash versus someone who, like, really knows how to play that game, especially in the Melee, or like the, the GameCube Melee era with, like, wave dashing and a bunch of, like, really weird techniques, like, you will get your ass handed to you by someone who knows it and you know a, a good game design has that sort of sliding scale of of yeah. difficulty but i think you're right there there are these like fundamental questions of some some of these games are pure gameplay you know some of these games are trying to sort of be cinematic that's why i really like these indie games cuz they're kind of like almost in between of of like I, I, like the older i get you know i I used to remember people talking about like three or four hour games and when i was a kid when i had endless time i was like fuck that i want to play a game for a hundred (laughs) hours yeah of course Uh, and and now i just don't have time to do that and so i really like actually enjoy these like very targeted and isolated experiences that the gameplay is solid and the way that the narrative is being told to you is sort of like interwoven in a like, I, I don't know if you, you guys, if you haven't played Journey for the PS3, it's oh, on the yeah. PS4 now. Like, go, I think it's just an, a beautiful and incredible experience. But the way that it sort of, like, ties genuinely well-designed and fun gameplay into this sort of, like, subtle narrative being unfolded, I think, is brilliant. I kind of have a hard time with, like, open-world games just because it's almost too much for me now. Like, Breath of the World is amazing, <laughs> and it's uh, Breath of the Wild is, sorry. It's, it's sort of like uh, a giant like Miyazaki game that you're playing and that's amazing. But I <laughs> I just unfortunately don't have that time to like go and yeah. get lost like that anymore. You know? It's like a luxury when I can find a couple hours guilt free to sit down and like, you know, just completely get lost there. And it's interesting because in some ways that's in conflict with like what I loved about the the like the Zelda games that of the past where I felt like there was a narrative always guiding me. And now everyone who plays breath of the wild, they're like, Oh, I love the fact that it's just you kind of like wandering around, you know? And I just, I don't know, maybe I just am like a, 33 a, a year old man with a dead soul who has, who's overworked, that can't enjoy these things. I don't know. Well,
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, you both revealed your ages. Uh, I mean, I'm the same age as you guys. We're all in our early thirties. I'm 33. And, you know for me there's been a pretty clear trajectory in my life i i I would go over to my buddy's place and we would play my one friend we would play ncaa football all the time all the time i don't know how human beings could have played that much of a college football video game but we did and i had my other friend as a kid who we would he had nintendo 64 i think it was and you know we play star fox and golden eye and whatever and and as i grew up I started to play those multiplayer games because that was what was happening at that time in our lives. Like Halo hit it big, and you know, other online games where multiplayer was becoming a really good experience. And now it's for me, I sort of turned into this open world kind of game thing. With when Spider Man that Spider Man game changed everything with the open world experience because that was the first time I ever really understood what it could mean to have the entire the entire sort of digital landscape available to access, which was so cool. And then it became my obsession with Grand Theft Auto and all those other kinds of things. So, like, the open world is very much something I think is super cool. But now suddenly I was like, oh, great, No Man's Sky is exactly my kind of thing. Very cinematic, very organic, I guess. And I just I couldn't do it. It was just too much work. Like, I'm not yeah, then, here to fly across no outer space.
0: Sky, no Man's Sky, very famously, is sort of like... Look, I, what what they did with the game is incredibly cool, but it is sort of, like, without purpose. Yeah. Like Skyrim or Breath of the Wild, these are open-world games that still have, like, a larger narrative and then a bunch of, like, sub-narratives within that and a bunch of, like, very well-designed gameplay around it. The Men's Sky, as cool as it is, is also, like, a very meandering experience that, like, yeah doesn't have what i think anyone would call like rewarding gameplay you know <laughs> so
2: well like red red dead is the game i'm most looking forward to that's coming out soon that's open world like that's somewhere in between where you still have to put in the effort no, to there's, there's,
0: know, there's, there's a there's a super tight story involved in there and the gameplay it's just those are games that are just fun to yeah. like dick around
2: well for you me know, for me Metal Metal Gear Solid was the was the game that introduced to me the possibility that video games can be almost more cinematic than movies sometimes. Like the I, I, well, I legit was in it for the cutscenes and that's how I feel about Red Dead sometimes. Those are so entertaining and so well made that like I I am officially um not sure whether or not this is a movie or a video game. I just know that I get to press buttons every once in a while.
0: It's easy to be twenty years removed from Metal Gear Solid and to Forget the impact of the way Hideo Kojima was telling that story. His ability to sort of like create these worlds, and and the, and and the way in which he told it, and the way in which he like there there's amazing gameplay and amazing mechanics and very groundbreak breaking mechanics. Not just happening on like the gameplay side, but yes, he was using cutscenes really for the first time or in the most sort of visible way in a cinematic way like that but also one of the things people don't talk about a lot with Metal Gear is he did something that classically most game design would almost steer you away from which is he actively went out of his way not just narratively to sort of break the fourth wall which very famously characters like Psycho Mantis did he also had characters in the game in this super serious thing where they're talking about speaking in acronyms and talking about like You know names of guns that you've never heard before and this like very self-serious world these characters who are recording this dialogue also then say Hey, well press the X button to do this or you know, press select and so it's like it's going out of its way In a strange way to remind you of the fact that it is a video game And yet they're also giving you this like very cinematic experience at the same time and so the way that he fused the cinematic elements of watching a movie and truly having like impeccable game design and like groundbreaking mechanics and characters that you gave a shit about look I I obviously could have an entire like <laughs> multi-part podcast just talking about Metal Gear so I want to be careful of going down this rabbit <laughs> hole it's very easy to talk about the cinematics of those games but like Kojima-san always was pushing the gameplay as well he always was pushing the tech technology side of things. And now like in the latest metal gear, phantom pain, he does these amazing kind of like one take sequences where the, the camera floats around somewhere between being a virtual camera and a steady cam shot in a way that I think is like really, uh, really impressive. Like if you saw stuff like that in a movie, people would, people would freak out about it. Like he's a, A dude who, in many ways, I look at as a idol and a hero, and uh, he's also someone who has become a friend of mine in the last couple of years, um, which is just kind of amazing to like sit down and talk about. He's he's one of the biggest. You know, I did a whole you can find it online. I did a whole panel discussion at E three last year with him, just talking about movies. Because yeah. he's one of the biggest cinephiles on the planet. Like I actually have more fun talking about movies with him than I do about with most filmmakers, which is kind of like lets you know the state of the film industry right now. But he's just a cinephile through and through, and he loves consuming cinema. Um, would, it has he, would he ever a- direct a movie? Um, <clears throat> when we first met, he was very much actually talking about directing a film. I think right now he's very deep. You know, he's super deep in Death Stranding. I think that he would like to. Um. I I know at one point he was like very serious about it, and now he's like very underwatered, you know, finishing Death Stranding. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think all of his brain power is being put to that right now.
2: You you posed you posted this question on Twitter last night, right? I we, we saw you post about what's the best video game movie that's not a video based on a video game, which is its own conversation, and it was a great question to ask. But I started to think about Playtest when I saw that because, to me, that is all of the things that we're trying to figure out about where video games have been, where they can go in terms of movies in the, sort the cross section.
0: I, I would say I would say what you're talking about, though, and look, I love Trachtenberg. He's a friend of mine. Cloverfield Lane is, like, one of those movies that I adore because, A, it's, like, great filmmaking, but, B, it also, like, understands the, like, the presentation and language of games in a really interesting way. The reason that I posed that question last night on Twitter is because, for me, without a doubt, like, there... There are some, like, what I think are okay video game films. I think there's incredible, some incredible stuff in Warcraft. I think Silent Hill is actually, like, a pretty interesting movie, and, like, a, especially in the back half, like, it plays with very cool stuff. It just it never gets over the beginning. Like, both Tomb Raider and Silent Hill almost suffer from the same problem, which is, like, the beginning of a game, like, the setup, you're playing it. And so you ultimately forgive so many things, because at that point in the game, you're just invested in the gameplay. These movies have a problem sort of investing you and you giving a shit and not just feeling like you're going through plot machinations. And, like, the the first act of Tomb Raider very much feels that way. And the first part of Silent Hill, where you're just wandering around looking for this kid, like, that's fine as a game, because you're naturally invested as a player, but it doesn't really work as a film. But the back act of Silent Hill, I think, is, like, very cool. The most interesting video game movies are they are things that are almost just loosely, like almost based on games in spirit in a weird way. Like Scott Pilgrim is something that I actually think is like, I think that, I'm gonna say that movie is like one of the best directed movies of the last 10 years. I find that movie to be kind of exhausting at times, (laughs) Um, in the same way a video game can exhaust you. But to me, Snowpiercer, the way you're going from level to level, essentially. You're going from car to car. Uh that has like baked in mechanics in it. More so, I think about Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is such an interesting film that borrows from the language of video games in a way where, here's a question that I really ask. Let's say there was just a shooter, a Gears of War type shooter that like had these kind of like mech suits, whatever. Just imagine the gameplay of fighting the aliens in Edge of Tomorrow as a video game. That has no time mechanic whatsoever. It's just fucking war, chaos, you're in these mech suits, you're in these dropships, whatever. What happens if they make a video game out of that movie? And they make Edge of Tomorrow. From the movie, they add the mechanic, they add the device of this sort of Groundhog's Day resetting. Do fans appreciate that or not? Like, as a a film, it's this completely isolated thing, right? So they're like, oh, this is just part of the movie. But what that's tapping into is this idea of, like, lives continuing, restarting, checkpoints, these things that are so embedded to games, game language, game philosophy in a weird way, in in kind of, like, an existential way. Like, it really starts getting into the mechanics of games. So, like, hypothetically, let's just, for shit's sake, say the, the gameplay of Edge of Tomorrow was Gears 4. So you're playing a Gears of War game, and then the Gears of War movie comes out. And in the Gears of War movie, they add this time travel device. They add this Groundhog Day thing. Almost as this like meta comment on how you play a game and how you restart, how you respawn, how you gain checkpoints, philosophy-driven ideas of what it is to play this game, not just in the game itself, but for you as a player and the experience that you feel. But they tie into the plot in like a meaningful way. Do audiences celebrate that? Or do they say, "Oh fuck, this wasn't part of Gears of War. Fuck you guys." You know, like I, I'm so curious what the response to something like that would have been. I think they I think-
1: would receive that because I think that's exactly what you're you're talking about. That is missing from most of the movies. That's like, especially if it's well done enough and and smartly written enough into the script that it plays into it, like Edge of Tomorrow, because it's. I think that's what makes it interesting. I think if you it's almost like that's what your original concept of Edge of Tomorrow was like, hey, just a war game with these dynamics Well, now the plot of the movie becomes those ideas. I think if it's if you give it to a filmmaker who can handle it well enough and you give it to some screenwriters who can like craft a smart enough script around it, you can get into those ideas. And I mean, it's—I think it would be well received, but I don't think we've seen anything like that since *Edge of Tomorrow*.
0: The same goes for *Snowpiercer*, where it's like—it like, reminds me of old Super Nintendo side scrollers, where like each level <laughs> as you win, yeah. was like a reward because you were in, like, you're in the snow area, you're in the crazy underground area, you know, it, like each thing had a a, a reward to it. And *Snowpiercer* is the same way, where you almost can't wait to see what the next car is. You know, it's very—it's very, yeah. very well constructed. You know, I, th-
1: this makes me think of another. <laughs> I would love to ask Mong Jun ho if, if he was a video gamer, because I don't I don't think I've ever asked him. I don't know if there's an answer to that. But, you know, another one of the, the, the films that people mentioned um, in answer to your question was uh, the most recent Jumanji, which I know is nowhere as near as good as Scott Pilgrim um, or Snowpiercer, but has that levelly feel in a more cheesy, presentable, entertaining way. And again, <laughs> it's still something that's not based on a real game. And it's it's almost fascinating that the best video game movies per se
0: are not based on video games. That yeah. Exist. Jumanji. Look, there was a day where like me and Kumail Nanjiani were drinking and we were like having this this crisis of like why is Jumanji making so much money? What the fuck? Because yeah, it's so, so easy to look at that film and be like, okay, like the worst example of like studios taking like an old IP, just putting two movie stars in it, and then boom, and you're like. The, Come on, and you go and watch that movie, and like Karen Gillan's great, and Jack Black's great, and The Rock's great, and Ke- everyone's fucking great, and Kevin Hart's great. And what they do is really smart. It's this video game thing, and it's a body swap thing at the same time. For me, as a real gamer, they they could have executed so many more, like the action could have been way more memorable. And like, like, there's a sequence where the rock is in the village and he's like punching the guys. And it's just sort of out loud saying like, punch, dodge, blah, blah, blah. Imagine that sequence, but if it was done more like a quick time event sequence where like he, like in an edge of tomorrow way had to keep resetting it. Like the, like mm-hmm. there were so many, like the, I think they had an amazing so, setup in that film. And yeah, I think they did the video game stuff pretty well. And it, like it, it, the, the body swap thing within it was so smart. I give so much of that credit to Chris McKenna, the, the, one of the first writers in on that, um, who sort of pitched it out of nowhere. He's a great dude and a super talented dude. It, it didn't take the video game mechanics far enough for me. Like, for me, is a real... I, I feel like there was a lot they left on the floor once they did a great job establishing it. But yeah, you're right. The best game movies, in a weird way, aren't. You know, in that talk that I did with kojima on at E3, at the very end, the last question I asked him was, what advice... The, the whole thing was me sort of, like, wanting to exposed to audiences his brain his brain is a cinephile because one of the weirder things in the game world is most video game creators most people in industry don't really have press opportunities to talk if they're not promoting a game Mm. and i wanted him to go and just show the world how like great and textured and well versed his brain was in film so it was largely a conversation of let me letting him talk but at the end i said look after having said all this what would you um what would your advice to me be before I go make this Metal Gear movie? And he said, do what I would do, betray your audience, which yeah. is a very Kujimasan thing to say. But to some degree, I think he's right. How do you translate feeling that we played, when, like when I played Metal Gear Solid, like the, the actual like stealth that you felt? the the tension of sneaking around the like panic of of truly being caught knowing you couldn't shoot your way out of things like how do you translate those feelings how do you translate the feeling of this super serious world that they've set up in a spy you know military headspace and then suddenly you see a guy in a gas mask floating and these ideas of the supernatural are suddenly being introduced how do you how do you recreate what these games make you feel and be very like slavish to it where you're giving the audience of like what they want, but also knowing when to break it and knowing when to reinvent. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's really easy to forget that like all the Marvel stuff, Lord of the Rings, these things were like excessively slavish in in all of the right ways. But then they also like we've lived with the, the, the MCU for so long and we've lived with Jackson's you know, Lord of the Rings movies for so long that people forget there are major changes in those things. Like major, the idiosyncrasies that make these games unique. Metal Gear is like such a specific franchise, and like there's so much about how the, those games almost have a more of a survival horror tone at times, and there are these walking, talking like philosophies and ideologies of characters, and and there's so much that sort of goes into what those games made you feel and the goofiness of it. how do you translate all of that but make it work as a film? And and it is, I think, it's about finding that balance and. Film action sequences started to mirror like Uncharted type video game action, right? Where these things just kept, these set pieces just evolve and evolve and evolve and continue to like get bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier and oh my god, this is happening and this is happening, which were inspired by movies, right? But then Uncharted and these games took it to the next level. Then these movies started coming out. They just started adding all of this like spectacle and shit happening around the player. Without the without or around the character, without the character really making any choices that like defined them in the same way, running over glass defines John McClane or whatever. It's a spectacle happening around someone. To me, it's like the Phantom Menace of it all, like being chased by a fish, and then a, a bigger fish eating that fish, and then a bigger fish eating that fish. And it's like, cool, that's, <laughs> spe- that's spectacle, but our characters didn't do anything in here. They've just been panicking the yeah. whole time, and it's just spectacle happening around them. The movies started to ad- adopt this like video game mechanic, which, as you're playing Uncharted, that's cool because you are the one making these decisions. But it just doesn't work in films in the same way. When she's in the water in Tomb Raider, I don't feel the brutality and the intensity of her almost drowning. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that to me, that's a bummer. The same thing when she's on the wing. And then when the plane, like, it's this progression of, like, okay, well, now the wing's breaking. Okay, well, now the plane's falling. Now she's in a parachute. And I don't feel, like, I just don't feel the individual tension of what the, each of those moments, they're they're all faithful representations of what happens in the game. However, what they don't do is they're not faithful representations of what you felt when you were the player in each of those scenarios.
2: One thing I think is interesting also about... The difference between video games and movies is that in movies you have the opportunity, and this happens in video games every once in a while, but you have the opportunity to step away from the main character and focus on the ultimate uh, you know, challenge or conflict or person that that character is going to come in contact with. With Snowpiercer, you, it happens in a much more fluid and quick way that you could actually see happening in a video game. But in a lot of movies, you know, we're spending time watching something else happening and not only spending time with the main character. And that first-person feeling that you get when you play a video game, to me, is not necessarily just because you are actively participating as that character, but because you're always within that character's space. So uh, when I think about movies that kind of feel like they have that mechanism of a video game, for me... I, I of course agree with all the ones you guys said and I would add the raid when you're talking about Snowpiercer really? and that sort of like leveling um approach.
0: The raid is amazing and therefore you can also potentially bring up dread. But yeah, I, I, I think the raid is much more the raid's much more subtle with it, I think. Yeah. You know, the I think you're absolutely right. In theory, there's like a floor level system, but to me it doesn't it's not as like overt as the unlocking of a new area in Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or the respawn in Edge of Tomorrow. Because the raid, yes, it's technically like floors and levels, but there's not as much of a reward as you get to each area. Right. <laughs> and that's not me saying that, like, I, I adore both of those movies. I'm just talking about in terms of video game mechanics. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
2: When you talk about Edge of Tomorrow, something I think is important to recognize is that the movies also have the ability to skip the part that you don't get to skip in a video game. So if, if, if you, if you talked about a video game version of edge of tomorrow, well, I think it would tire out and exhaust the player because while it sounds really cool in concept, that's why we have checkpoints in video games so that you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning every time and go through every conversation and every single experience. And in the movies, what they can do is just, you know, pop, pop, pop right through them. So, you have an instantaneous rec- recollection of what he had done if we were to watch it in real time so i think that's going to be an interesting conflict for any movie that attempts to recreate the sensation of you have a you have multiple lives or you can recreate things in the groundhog effect and that's that's where every there's always seems to be a little hump if you make a movie for the the audience that loves the video game but ignore the audience that isn't familiar with the video game You have to be okay with that as the result, that it might not become a mainstream movie or topic of discussion outside of the fact that it's a really great rendition of that video game, which is why for me and we're you know, we didn't really get into what's your favorite video game movie or whatever. But I still feel like that first one, Super Mario Brothers, is like the movie I always go back to. The 80s well, Super Mario, or the, the 90s first. One? So you know which one I'm talking about. Super the 90s Mario, one, so it's 1993. A really interesting. It's yeah. not
0: a good video game movie. However, it is a very interesting case study of an adaptation.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: is for it sure. a good Mario movie? No. <laughs> no. no. Is it a good movie necessarily? Questionably. There were various like personal film school things that did. Like one thing that I could not more highly recommend to anyone who wants to be a filmmaker is to get the criterion of Terry Gilliam's Brazil and watch every single cut of that film. Because it will give you... And watch them all back to back. It will give you such a an interesting perspective on how editing can change a film and how a studio can change the editing process. Mm-hmm. It was one of the more impactful things I ever did as a young filmmaker. And to me, likewise, I think looking at Mario, I think it's going to be... <laughs> I think that movie is going to age in a very interesting way because I think that there will ultimately be a very deep post-mortem done on it about what happens in an adaptation. Like, as a piece of kind of like, A, the choices they made are crazy, but also, if you almost look at that as an original film, it's like a very bizarre, interesting film that actually has some kind of cool characters. Fucking, of all people, like, Easy Rider Dennis Hopper is in that fucking movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Whether it's a good video game movie, I don't know. It's a very interesting study, and a very interesting thing, to I think, to be studied about... A, what can go awry with adaptations, but also how you adapt something and and how you like famously yeah. go off the rails.
2: Well, <laughs> the other thing I, I would really like to see or at least talk about is, what do you call them, build them games? Like, how those might be able to be translated into movies. I'm just very curious what you guys think. There's SimCity, there's Roller Coaster Tycoon, there's fucking Goat Simulator. I mean, that doesn't count, but I just thought about it. Uh, there are all these games oh, but, but, but that people have experienced
0: you, you joke that that doesn't count but also i uh, think we you always have to take the lego movie into account for everything oh, Granted, yeah. phil, phil and chris are are so fucking smart but the lego movie is an example of like anything can be a good story as ridiculous as it is like <laughs> you can take anything and and make it interesting and good you have to be smart and you have to be subversive and whatever. But you can do it. So there's truly nothing to be, that says goat simulator can't somehow be this like very compelling movie. But it has to be figured out. It's not just about trying. It's like, okay, what does this make you feel? Like Lego, in a weird way, beyond telling a a crazy, weird original story, in a weird way, Lego also gave you the like the experience of building with these things yeah. and creating things so it it, it it like works on that core level of like why you love those toys and then in a weird way it taps into the nostalgia of what you thought about with each of these worlds and this and that and then it goes beyond that to just tell you an interesting unique story anything can be good yeah well, are, could be a good movie <laughs> these are such good this is a, these are like the like minor how you make it, like Zelda. Zelda deserves to be a, mus- a movie almost purely based on its music yeah. alone. Like the yeah. the 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 soundtrack of all of the Zelda games is better than pretty much any film franchise out right now. What an incredible world to tap into. I think you can make a great Metroid movie. I have a pitch for a Metroid movie that's like more of like a sci-fi version of Drive, which doesn't make any sense, but just like <laughs> a <That's> very awesome. <laughs> a very like lonely, isolated movie that almost has like no dialogue like resident evil still could be like a like a very very cool franchise uh that's like legitimately fucking horrifying and plays into kind of like the the like genre like dopiness like b-movie stuff of those games but fucking scares the shit out of you if you can like really tap into what those games made you feel when you're a kid and you're afraid to walk onto the next screen because of a video game and you're afraid like a dog is gonna jump through the window mm. and you but you're and you feel bad about yourself because you can't control a polygonal character and walk into the next room. Like it's <laughs> those games are horrifying. Half Life did you know, that to me. I've always heard Valve is like kind of interested in doing film stuff, but I don't you know, but I think they're more interested making money off of steam
2: this is and this is ultimately what i thought was the most interesting part of the conversation what like how do you really make a a video game into a movie not how do you make a good video game movie those are two different questions i think and when i'm most impressed by filmmaking that has source material it's it's when i see the creativity front and center when i can see somebody played a game and thought i should make a video game or i should make a movie out of that part of this game like if you were what's that game what's that game the arcade game where you're just flying a little plane and it's static and you, the Ice level invaders no that's uh, that could be every, every i know they're all like that but there's one where it's like an actual <laughs> fighter jet or whatever and Yeah, you take any of those games, very basic in nature, and instead of trying to turn it into Rampage, the movie, why not focus on one thing? Like, oh, well, there's probably a person in that plane. Well, let's try and tell that person's story. And it's just the genesis of the idea comes from playing a game and wondering if there's more to this game than just what's on the screen. Well, this this
1: is why I support Trachtenberg doing something bigger because his portal short was an example of that. It was like taking the concept of what the portal gun can do and the portal world, but creating a unique story around it. And I felt like his understanding of exactly that concept that you're talking about has that potential. And I think he understands that.
0: He's also a perfect example of the right person, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like he
1: knows the games and he's, he's, you know. He
0: grew up on games, so he understands the language. And he also understands the language of like film and how films evolve in and Mm. how to to fuse those things.
2: Well, look, you're Uh, you're you're working on a Metal Gear Solid movie. What you know? Yeah,
0: there's other video game stuff that I'm doing that I can't talk about yet. That sort of like ties into some of the stuff that we're doing. Yeah, that I I think is very cool. But like like there there was an article at GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference, on Wednesday. They had a talk with some people at Sega who talked about the. uh, Origins of Sonic, and it was really interesting because Sonic famously, before Tom Kalinske came in, um, there was a, a bunch of weird variations of what Sonic was and how ridiculous he looked compared to what he looks like now. <clears throat> but this talk actually got into some stuff that had kind of been rumored but not really talked about. The original Sonic backstory was a like World War II fighter pilot who basically on his nose of of his plane kind of drew a version of Sonic. So it was like a bomber in World War II. It's like, you know, swashbuckling fighter pilot guy who the war ends and then he marries a teacher who also is like an illustrator and she writes a bunch of children's books about the character who's on the nose art for the fighter plane that he flew in and that that's sort of like what the Sonic world is. Jeez. And to me, that that's actually like a very weird version of a movie that you could make that's, like, that's not the Sonic movie they're making. But that's, like, a very weird, like, meta, kind of, like, pseudo-biopic you could do that's, like, kind of a serious, like, social network meets, like, I don't know, those those weird movies that I never watch <laughs> about, like, what's the one about, like, Peter Pan? There's one coming out about, like, there's one, the like, Christopher Robin like movie. like, the, the Wonder Woman
2: one with Mr. Marston yeah, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: There's all those movies kind of about, like, you know, the, the artist and their creation, you know, um... Finding Neverland I want to think was the other one yeah. but like there's a very interesting like, Sonic movie to be made about something like that uh, whether people show up for that movie I don't fucking know
2: you have this sort of mission ahead of you and there are others in your same position young people our age early 30s who, who played these games who know these games this isn't just like uh, you know hey Frank Marshall make a video game movie everyone will love or something you know this is like um, find the heart of the game make everybody happy probably kind of question that you have to figure out what's most important to you, you I guess what I'm most curious about well, for people in your position is is do you, is like what's the responsibility that you feel is it to your to yourself or is it to other people to the game
0: well that, that's look that's a multi-pronged question the first thing I'll say is during the press tour for Kong I was very vocal about how an influence on Kong, the film, was anime, manga, and video games. And I had pressed people when I would mention video games kind of look at me sideways and kind of like say, hey, you probably shouldn't like mention that video game thing. So it's like, it's such charged language as it relates to film. I have this like mission for whatever reason, and maybe this will be the death of me. I was like, no, (laughs) I want people to know that a lot of like the aesthetic and the like kinetic action in this film is... Influenced of my like love of video games and I want to like re in the same way video games rewired my brain I want to rewire the language of saying My movie has video game elements and having that be a positive thing not a negative thing not oh That means episodic Oh, means the actions just endless and unfolds But truly like that's a good thing as a filmmaker Your responsibility is to tell a great story and fundamentally I think for the most part if you're doing an adaptation look great things have been made doing adaptations that fundamentally alter from the source material. You look at Annihilation. There are plenty of examples throughout time that deviate from the source rapidly. Metal Gear, I have have a responsibility to first and foremost tell a great story, right? And tell a story that I think threads the needle of, like, truly translating the style, the tone, the, the oddity of that franchise, the chaos, the, like, sprawling, like, melodrama that it is, and getting a wrangle on the convoluted nature of it, but also presenting the fact that it is this like sprawling, unruly thing, because that is what people love. So how do you present that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but then also make it accessible to to everyone in a way where those weird idiosyncrasies are what makes it accessible, as opposed to those things being the things that turn people off? Because a lot of people think by making something accessible to the outsiders, that means you're dumbing it down. And I think that as seen in the like the Guardians of it all, the Ragnarok of it all, you know, when you really, if you can like with confidence double down on the oddities of these things, those actually become the selling points. Adaptations, I think, are naturally tough and you, you, there's just a very blurred line between like Metal Gear is a weird thing where, look, this, this brings up a larger conversation because <laughs> I adore those early, um, comic book movies, right? Like the things that really broke through and also, um, Lord of the Rings, whatever, whatever. But a lot of these franchises were things that you're just sort of translating like source material. Okay. And yeah, you're kind of like, you're, you're translating tone, but, and you're translating like an aesthetic sort of, X Men. The reason X Men broke out is I think it's an easier like one to one translation. Lord of the Rings as well. You're like bringing this fantasy thing to life. Metal Gear, and especially when you start talking about a lot of like anime adaptations, when you start talking about the way you start to a- adapt these things, you get into these bigger things of not just like um, recreating a world and an aesthetic, and not just recreating kind of like what people like about these characters and their dynamics. But you get into this really complicated thing of then also having to present a style like a style of action yes there is a style to some of the action in the x-men comics but it's not the same as like the embedded style in some of the metal gear stuff or in some of the like in evangelion or uh naruto or one Punch Man or, you know, the, these things that are very based in how action unfolds or like uh, Attack on Titan. You know, the, these things where style is so fundamental to the way the story is being told. And so those make I think for much more difficult translations where I think part of your job is to recreate that. Yeah, and well, that's, that's, that's why like, I
2: thought like, your, your comment about Kong was great because I, I, I was talking to Alex about this before. I mean, I certainly felt that within that movie, whether it was even just in sort of um, framing moments, like when you had Samuel Jackson with the flare and you had Kong on the other side, it felt like, okay, their shit's about to go down. And the same thing happened with last Jedi when they, they literally gave us like a, uh, you know, that, that video game framing of Kylo Ren and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and Luke, like, okay, shit's about to go down. And there's that feeling you just don't get very often in movies And and it's I think it comes from the video game experience more than the cinematic experience. And and I like that conversion.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's also tricky because as seen with just broadcast sports, like a lot of video game language things are now bleeding into reality. You know, you look at like the Madden camera and 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 there's there's also just a there's this blurred line where it's like, yeah, there's this face off stuff. But, you know, some of that stuff has more to do with Leone. Um, and it's all sort of interpretations of someone else's interpretation of someone else's, you know, inspiration. So, like, where it all stems from is this very blurred thing. I don't know, like, Scott Pilgrim, it's like, you you imagine if that was a video game, the way Edgar directs the fuck out of those action scenes and the way he so beautifully captures the way, like, anime characters run at each other or charge or you have these kind of, like, almost freeze frame moments... Like that that was a, a, a one-to-one translation of kind of like how an anime would feel. It's like th- they have kind of like an embedded extra element of style and the way in which these stories visually unfold that comic book things weren't exactly beholden to. And I think that creates like an, an extra difficulty level in, um, in what your responsibility is in terms of the adaptation.
1: What, what, one of the things I've been thinking about with the, the Tomb Raider movies and some of what some of the points you've mentioned recently is the idea that so many video game movies end up being just pure action movies and then I feel like Hollywood just lumps them into that category and I want to see more than just pure action movies. That, that, that These movies can be more than just the action genre. Like if we ever do make a Half-Life movie, I want it to be a noir movie, not an action movie. And sure, it can have action pieces, but I don't just need that. And it's almost something like... I know the filmmakers know this, and they want to put it in there, but somehow these movies end up being translated into pure action. And especially with the most recent Raider, <clears throat> that's all it is. And I want more than that. i want I want the filmmakers to somehow convince the executives at the studios that this needs to be more than just action that there is there is more to it. And it is it touches upon the South Korean filmmakers and what they've done because that's not what the these Movies like *Snowpiercer* are. Is yes, it is an action movie, but there's more to it. There's there's much more beyond just the action genre that they can provide. And I think that's what I think. Great video games aren't just pure action. There's much more to them. I mean, the the genre video games in general have so much potential. Like *Journey* is not an action game, you know.
0: Uh, *Metal Gear* is like a perfect example of that. It's like. It is not Mission Impossible. It is not GI Joe. It is not these things. If anything, those games have more to do with like Tarkovsky than they do Mission Impossible, <laughs> and and translating that is important. Like, what is a Tarkovsky action film? What is, you know, those games have like a very intense like horror element, you know, like a, a, a genre element without using that as a device the same way horror would. It's just sort of like an embedded element of style and tone. <laughs> Thinking about something like Memento, if you just pitch. Memento, as a story, it's what okay. There's it's a story of a guy trying to solve the murder of his wife, and he happens to be uh, he has no short term memory, right? That's roughly how you might pitch it. <clears throat> but that's not what makes it interesting. What makes that story interesting is the way in which it's told. These two competing timelines, some being told like in reverse chronological order sort of like that that elevates the whole thing.
1: I I still have hope for Half-Life one day, but I don't think we'll ever see it. And I mean, there's almost almost a whole genre of video games. Like Journey, I was going to mention this when you mentioned Journey the first time, is that I don't want a video game movie based off of Journey. And I I want it to stay that way. Like, it doesn't need to be done. And I don't want Hollywood to just say, ah, we're going to take the IP and the name of it and just turn it into something. It's like, no, we don't need that.
0: Luckily, well, Journey, oddly enough, is like a poster child for like what exactly shouldn't be a movie. Yeah. And granted, nobody's talking about that. However, I actually do think you can make a very weird artistic version of like the weird cycle of life that that game makes you think about and feel. And like I, I really always equate that movie to that game to Shell Silverstein in the sense that like I feel like any person could pick up the giving tree and today or tomorrow, you could read that book and basically like feel something different about it. Journey is the same thing. Like if I played that game today or tomorrow, I would reflect on it in a different way.
1: Well, it's like if
0: you you would have to give it
1: to like Panos Cosmatos, the
0: Beyond the Black Rainbow
1: director, like someone like that who can take it that far. But even but even that 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 also makes me wonder. With like Warcraft, I always thought Duncan was the right person for it. And as much as I love Duncan and I love his films. It, it, it just—it—it it was like, how did this not become exactly what it should have been? Because he was the perfect guy to bring this to life, but it was also, I think, a case of he was too close to wanting it to be created purely for the fans. Less than
0: there's a, a studio issue there, and that's its own thing. But you know, there's there's super cool shit in that movie. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's it's dense, and um, you know. That's a it's it's a hard one. Um, but I, I know people who love that movie.
1: Yeah, I know. And I think that it's like the, there are the Warcraft fans who I think it gave them exactly what they wanted. But we talked about this earlier, too. Just the idea of I think it was Mike's question of who do you make the film for? And it like that's the thing. Duncan even tried to tell a good story with it. And tried to add that element to it, but it just didn't fully translate in a way that it could reach beyond certain people. And I think, you know, if you really love the game and you got into it, you can love it for what it is. And I tried to see that when I saw it, but I guess I wasn't a big enough Warcraft fan.
0: It's like to, for, for the some of these superhero movies just to say, oh, it's for the fans or, you know, for like Ready Player One is its own complicated quagmire. Um and I think that there's, like, larger discussions that need to be had about the state of, like, film criticism and um, the cross-section with, like, fanboy culture and how I think that, like, is getting in the way of people's ability to, like, review movies properly sometimes.
1: This is going to be uh, our next episode, Jordan. We're going to have you on. <laughs> all
0: right. I'm just a part of your podcast now. Every episode just me ranting about something. <laughs> I don't want to listen to it anymore. Um, no, but it's, I, I, truly think there's a, there's a, like, I mean, obviously visibly, like I went off on sins, but I love film criticism. I love, like, I think it's an important part of the art form and, um, I love, re- like, it's just sad when you, when you release a movie, you, out of the hundreds of reviews you get, you probably get like less than 10 reviews that like probably talk about the film on a thematic Mechanical level on the way that you want your film to be discussed, like peering into the choices you made, why you made them, et cetera, et cetera. Like literally, out of two hundred reviews, you maybe get five to ten that really do that, and that sucks. Yeah. And I'm a bigger fanboy than most people. <laughs> However, the degree to which I see people being blinded by Star Wars or being blinded by a bunch of these things right now, it's like,
2: like you can't. Yeah these need to be separated well and I okay we talked about a lot of different things but I feel like maybe to wrap it up I you know is there a movie or a game that we didn't really touch on that you really feel like would make the perfect movie or you're really curious about seeing it as a movie or, or again vice versa um, a video game movie that you just feel like completely missed the point or or you love just because it had such a major impact
1: on me in my childhood, and it has always been a long-running key part of the video game world, so I've always wanted a Zelda movie. And I know it will never be as good as the games. And I almost, for that reason, don't want a Zelda movie. But it's like it's to me the whole world of it, everything about it, like in it's almost like um, if Peter Jackson did it in Lord of the Rings style, it would be the right kind of thing. But like that's always been in the back of my mind and there was there was a like a short film someone made i think a fan made one that was a very good <laughs> version of what it could be but they'll never get to that level you know in hollywood and making it but that's always been my like dream is to have a, a zelda movie on the level of lord of the rings because i'm a lord of the rings fan in terms of truly beautiful world building that isn't you know hey we have to replicate the game but brings to life that mythology because it's the Zelda world and Link and everything that's going on in it and Hyrule and all that is just such such a unique world on the same level as Middle Earth that we could have something like that and I don't know if that will ever happen I don't know especially with the state of video game movies now will we ever see that probably not because they will they will
0: I mean Warcraft was such an attempt but. Look, if, if if history has taught us anything like to me like the great things in my life were like, oh, Mario and Sonic will never be in a video game together. Oh, like, you'll never be able to run, like, you know, Mac software on, like, PC architecture, Power <laughs> PC versus x86. Yeah. Like, yeah. And all these things, like, slowly crumble over time. Like, these are our shitty versions of, like, the Berlin Wall crumbling, um, which are so dorky and weird. But, like, clearly, you know, you can never really say never. Like, the tricky thing with Zelda is, now, it's like, do you adapt the, like, sort of more pure fantasy with with quirk and oddity. The version of, like, the Ocarinas of Time. I actually think Majora's Mask would make for, a like, a, an amazing film. Yeah. I think Majora's Mask is, like, one of the best Zelda games ever. It's so weird and trippy and, and Groundhog's Day-esque, but with an interesting twist on it. Do you adapt a version of that stuff? Or the new Zelda games kind of, like, like get into this weird, like, Retro ancient technology approach, you know, where there's kind of like lasers and, and sort of technology that isn't technology. So like, which which version are you adapting at that point? You know, you, really, there's a whole generation of kids who probably have never played Ocarina of Time. Some of this like laser stuff, I think, probably feels out of place to the people who like viewed that as their touchstone. So look, for me, it will always be Metal Gear. That's the one that like I I have so much love for, and I've been like slaving over trying to get this movie like made trying to get the studio to, to, like, actually make this thing and to make the insane version of it, you know? Like, post-Kong coming out, and, you know, thankfully, thank you to all of the fans who saw it making half a billion dollars, I was able to go in and say, okay, let's let's rethink the approach here and let's do the version of this game and this movie that's, like, fucking out there and crazy and insane in the same way Kojima's work is. And
1: Jordan, can I ask you, has do the movie studios seem more or less hesitant based on like Warcraft and Tomb Raider's performance uh, for quote unquote video game movies now because I was always the discussion is like one would come out and you would say oh if this is big they'll finally make Zelda and then if it's not you're like oh they're never gonna do anything again
0: these things they certainly don't help as I'm trying to get go and make like Metal Gear like it certainly doesn't help to have all these things um not doing well however I think there will always be this sense of when and if somebody cracks the code, you have the comic book films, you know. And so there's always this desire to figure it out, I think. It's not like these things come out and then people like completely give up on it. Studios in general are just searching so intensely for IP and for things that people care about. And, you know, video games in a weird way are the last like uncharted territory with that in a lot of ways and so there's there's a natural desire to want to figure it out it's just you know pe- people know it's difficult
2: fine so I feel so lucky that this is the one game that wasn't mentioned in the whole <laughs> podcast but rainbow Ooh. six oh man it, it, i just feel like it comes from a narrative str- you know it comes from tom clancy is it it has a lot of uh didn't they make the SWAT movies? Isn't kids that, isn't that kind of like like SWAT the the joke movie? <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the one with, but also, the one with LL Cool J. Like,
1: like Rainbow Six is basically
2: just like an elite military unit, right? Yeah, I <laughs> mean, elite, it's like a unit. oh, I mean, if it's yeah, but if but you it, did like it, a think, Zero Dark Thirty style yeah, movie imagine, that was, oh, okay, okay. you know, like a serious yeah, imagine, movie.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's getting at the idea of like, imagine taking the <laughs> like the raid at the end of Zero Dark Thirty and making a whole movie out of that. You know, yeah, and like multiple yeah. sequences like with that intensity. That's a that's uh, a pitch right there. Uh, Rainbow Six was a comically large. Do you remember the the hardcover version of that? How big that
2: fucking book was. I I I'm gonna admit I haven't actually read the book, so maybe I just <laughs> exposed kind of book, myself.
0: I read it because I was a dork when it came out. That book was literally bigger than the bible like (laughs) i'm not surprised it it was massive it was crazy how like large in size that book was um yeah rainbow six is like an interesting one to me though that that doesn't it it just i don't know i mean that's not the most exciting one for me to think about like well it's not really a video game
2: right it's not like it's not like
0: world creation and and it's just if you're gonna do this like the reason Marvel sticks out, the reason these things stick out is there's a world creation element at at right. play, not just like, uh, you know. Realistic. Yeah, so also just as a quick aside, like I've sort of been thinking about the question that you're like, oh, what are the like non-video game movies that like movies not based on video games that feel like video games. And it always really like kind of irks me when people bring up either Gamer or the Crank <laughs> movies, which are, like, <laughs> are like sure i get it but like those also i think are tapping into like some of the like those movies sure are like maybe fun but i don't really think that they in retrospect hold up that well you know and if anything they're, they're tapping into like some of the more like add elements of those games and like action for sort of like
2: meaningless action sake in some ways what well, feels like people that... making fun of video games not actually like people who who like video games <laughs> feels like that's who made them although we're wrapping up i do think something that just briefly i i can't help but mention is game night being such a really effective i think that movie was great and and those are not the games we're talking about mostly today i mean that this is an idea of a movie that says okay i'm gonna take all this stuff i know from when i played games and i'm gonna turn it into actual creativity not just story but like i don't know if you guys have both seen game night but you know they yeah. use they use um they use yeah, tilt shift so cameras. They use tilt shift cameras to give you that sensation that you're watching a video game transition. Or they they did some really cool camera moves where the camera was attached to the back of the car, kind of like that Phantom Thread scene, and like you feel like you're driving the car in a Grand Theft Auto. Like those those are some things that I really wish more filmmakers would do. We don't have to always make a video game movie, but there's so much to learn, like you said jordan about the madden camera you know i mean there's things that video games have done that have revolutionized other industries and movies are still behind the eight ball on what can be done as has been done in video games and i think it's happening a little bit here and there as innovation and camera technology has has risen but i'd like to see more of it and i think there's like a lot more that could be done game night was such a good example of that where it sort of understood it's core point about games and how we look at them, but it wasn't like a message movie or anything. It was just cool. It was just a cool use of technology, and I just want to bring that up. You no, love no, this
0: movie. I, I don't believe you, but... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Game Night's good. Game
0: Night is good. I, I haven't seen the movie. I just... I don't know. I, I This is an aside, but I think we're in a really weird place with comedy right now, where like Marvel movies have essentially taken the place of comedies. Sure. Just the, those are the like biggest comedies out right now
2: thor is a comedy it's not any it's it's at almost every level a comedy there's more jokes than punches thrown i mean it's and it's funny but you're right i mean where are we getting our comedy from and who's it for and a lot of it is now just sort of each niche has their own little movies every year and there's no front runner there's no right. superstar filmmaker who's the one you wait for their comedy every year every two years I, I'm gonna defend Game Night till I die. I love that movie now. <laughs> it's, good. it's gonna be on your top ten, Mike, and, isn't it? Oh well, I'm not gonna. I don't. Come on. I'm give me more credit <laughs> than that. But Whoa, it, okay. it could be. It could be. I I will just say, Jordan. It, in more importantly, I wasn't necessarily saying that movie is great, other than to say that the filmmaking tactics were very innovative and took a lot from video games in a way that um, I was shocked. I was really surprised. And now I'm like shit. I'd like to see that more often, um, and I think it'd be a really cool way to merge some of the uh, visual aesthetics of video games with the art of filmmaking without actually having to make a video game movie.
0: I guess I will have to watch that movie.
2: <laughs> if I've done one thing here, it's make it's yeah, make you watch if game. One thing
0: Night. Has come out of this conversation, it's me begrudgingly watching Game nuts do you have any other? Um,
2: I mean, do you have any other thoughts, Jordan, that you didn't get to bring up today?
0: Yeah, look, this this is great. I I have a one of the most important franchises on the planet to me, mm-hmm. and if I fuck it up, I will live in shame for the rest of my fucking life. I am harder on myself than that. Was, that's what was funny about the whole like cinema thing when people were like, "Oh, you just don't understand. You can't you can't take a review. You can't take film criticism, man." It's like, no, I love reviews and I love bad reviews. <laughs> I love reviews that, like, take me to task if I think they're accurate. <clears throat> you know, that's why I went and did the Honest Trailer thing of, like, let me tell you the fucking problems with my movie. I, I will <laughs> tell you. Like, I am debilitatingly hard on myself. Look, when I was pitching on the Metal Gear movie, I, like, I fought for this so hard. And when I was pitching on it, I, I had the headspace of, like, I don't even care if I get the movie. I- if, I- if they steal all my ideas, I just want to at least have, like, tried to help make it better. You know, like, and so, like, yeah, my my life would be a lot easier if I wasn't trying to make something so, like, intimately important to me and a bunch of other people. But right now, like, this this just this is my my Star Wars or or something like this, where I, I just think there's a world and a tone and and a set of characters that can be put on screen in a way that people haven't seen before. And when I when I get in Ubers, right? This is a larger existential question of like how cinema fits in the world but I, I genuinely don't think people engage with movies in the same way and when i get in an uber and i see someone who has like a little like figure on their on their dashboard of like groot who people didn't know who the fuck was a, a couple years ago but now they're obsessed with to me it's like these big spectacle movies first and foremost i think the the biggest thing that they can do is give people a set of characters that people fall in love with yeah. and like love and obsess over and grow up with and and to me metal gear there's just not a better poster child for like a set of like bizarre incredible delicate interesting tortured characters than that franchise. Yeah. and i want people to like be walking around with a sniper wolf shirt i want people to like like know how like groundbreaking yoji shinkawa's designs were and like there's just so much that it's it's so important to me so i'd rather fall on the sword doing something that I love. Because that that, that's the real thing. Like, you know, earlier you actually mentioned like why do people make these movies, right? When you're making an indie, everyone is like huddled around the fact that they love a script. They love an idea. They're all fighting because they want to will something into existence. They want to make it great. And when you make a giant movie like this, like I knew why I was making Kong. I knew what I believed in it and the like crazy Harryhausen meets apocalypse now that I wanted to approach and and my love of like Kaiju film and Harryhausen and, and things like that I knew what I was doing but when you really get into like why is this movie slated what is it there for Thomas Tola oddly enough is like a dude who like his his famously the first movie he saw in a theater was um the 76 Kong and he has uh-huh. loved this stuff but yeah it's really easy for everyone else it's not in Indy a lot of you know everyone else is there you find your people who are there for the right reasons the actors who give a fuck the crew that gives a fuck the fucking stunt people who like really are invested and that's about camaraderie and that's about the like family that you build but a lot of other people are just there for the money they're just they're just there some actors are there for the money some some crew it's just the paycheck you know and you want to work with the people who give a shit and and for me Knowing how intimately hard these movies are to make and how much of your life like Kong was two and a half years of my life. Like yeah. I went through more than half of high school in that time. You know what I mean? And so you have to, you just have to, you have to know every day, split second, when you're at your worst, when you wake up in the morning or when you're, when you're like sleepless at night and you're like, holy fuck, like the, the weight of the world is on you. And you're like beating the fuck out of yourself. You have to be able to ask yourself and instantly have an answer when you say, why am I doing this? If you can't instantly fire back and say, I know exactly why I'm doing this, then get the fuck out of there. Like, that's how these movies end up bad. You know, it's like Metal Gear, I just intimately know. I know every single day in the worst of times in the darkest storm why I'm trying to do this and why it's important to me and what I want to protect for fans of the franchise and and what I want to introduce, like, a whole set of people who don't know shit about Metal Gear into what I love about it and what the fans love about it. It's not a question of can you make a good video game movie. It's a a question of when. This is an insanely complicated gauntlet that I'm going into, um, and the tone of Metal Gear is one of the trickiest things on the planet, but that's how much I love it.
2: Well, I heard the same thing from the Prince of Persia director, so I don't know. (laughs) All right, well, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Yeah. thank
0: you for having me. This was great.
2: Thanks for coming on, Jordan. And um, as usual, people
0: can find you on Twitter, right? Is that the best place to twitter is just my last name v-o-g-t roberts um and then instagram is vote roberts like to vote for something
2: v-o-t-e roberts thanks again jordan thank you for listening
0: yeah of course thank
2: you guys all right see ya